Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Nourish Eat Repeat. For those that don't know me, my name is Adrienne Delgado. I'm a registered dietitian and I own an outpatient nutrition practice along with my husband. My husband is not a dietitian, uh, but he is our office manager and it is a privilege to be able to serve our community and be able to work with my family at the same time. I, I love what I do. I take that responsibility very seriously. Um, I enjoy helping people reach their goals, whether it be a health goal, like managing their blood sugar or a weight loss goal. Um, I also love helping people figure out what foods feel best in their bodies, uh, what foods uh, can do for them and healing relationship with broken foods, mostly, you know, through years of dieting and, and disordered eating. I, I love working with adults. I love working with kids and teenagers and everything in between. Uh, I just love being part of the community and helping people. So, uh, that's a little bit about me. And one of the things that I get to do in my job is through counseling and educating clients, I have a front row seat to the questions that people have when it comes to nutrition. And something that I get asked often is, what is an anti-inflammatory diet? So this is a word you may have heard your doctor say, uh, you may have read about online or on socials. And today I want to just break down what that means exactly, because it can be a little confusing and it can also be a little gray because what some people say is inflammatory, other people might say is not. So I want to kind of clear up some of that confusion today and really just dive into what is an anti-inflammatory diet and do you need to follow one? Probably that's the more important question is, is this something I should be doing and how do I do it? So before we can answer that question, we first have to make sure we're all on the same page in terms of what is inflammation. All right, so there are two different types of inflammation in your body. There is acute inflammation and chronic or systemic inflammation. So acute inflammation is basically a one-off injury. Let's say you hurt your thumb. Maybe you hit your thumb with a hammer. (laughs) right? And that thumb is going to get swollen. It's going to be red and painful. It's going to have its own heartbeat, right? It's going to throb. But your body is designed to heal itself. And so eventually with time, the throbbing is going to subside, the pain is going to go away, the redness and swelling will go away, and you will have full function back within your thumb. So that is what we would call an acute injury or acute inflammation where you have a one-off injury, but your body heals itself and now we have moved on. 
But there are also something, there's also something called chronic inflammation. So this is sustained inflammation. This isn't a one-off injury that goes away and doesn't return. This is kind of here to stay. And a lot of times that chronic inflammation is due to lifestyle choices. So when we eat a poor diet over and over and over again, you know, it creates almost like an injury in our body. Our organs have to pick up the slack for the extra work it has to do because we're not getting the right nutrients in our system. Um, Leading a more sedentary lifestyle can also lead to inflammation. Smoking can lead to chronic inflammation. You know, again, repeated smoking over time, it damages our lungs. And this chronic inflammation eventually turns into systemic inflammation, which now we're affecting the whole entire body and multiple organs, right? When you are um, struggling with a poor diet, not only is your digestive tract affected, but your heart is affected, your liver is affected, your pancreas is affected, your kidneys. That is what we would call a systemic inflammation. It's the whole body is compromised or struggling because of our choices. And systemic inflammation can lead to things like obesity, metabolic syndrome, prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, inflammatory bowel disease, cancer, arthritis, and even Alzheimer's disease. And so one of my jobs as a dietitian that focuses on medical nutrition therapy is helping people choose foods that not only feel good when we eat them, but foods that love you back and they love your organs as well. I tell all of my clients that I love their pancreases. I do. I love your pancreas. I know that's weird to say, but I do because your organs are your life. And when your organs are healthy, you are healthy. And for a lot of us, our poor dietary choices over time have compromised our organs And now we're faced with these systemic diseases and, you know, now have to start having conversations about medications and, and making, making big changes. And so I want to, I want to try to prevent all of that. So you can live the life you want to live. You can go places and travel and move your body and do everything that you want to do without being pulled back or held back because of your health, right? I think about when I retire, which is probably not going to be for a while, but I still think about it. When I retire, I want to go. I want to go places. I want to see things. I want to do things that I couldn't do while I was raising kids. And I don't want my health to hold me back from doing all these great things. Unfortunately, I see too much of that in my office. Uh, that's my, my motivation is to feel as good as I can for as long as I can. And part of that process means reducing inflammation in my body so that everything can work optimally. So let's talk a little bit about what are foods that can contribute to inflammation. And there's a couple of them here. I'm just trying to count them real quick. I think about like nine or 10 of them. And so I'll go through each one of them so that there isn't any confusion um, and make sure that you feel really comfortable with this list. So inflammatory foods, uh, number one, red meat. Red meat can be inflammatory. Um, 
main reason why is a lot of times red meat comes with a lot of saturated fat. All right. Unfortunately, the way our meats are processed is a lot of times they're adding fat to our meats to increase the mouthfeel, make it um, more moist or juicier. And so fat keeps a product from being dry. And so a lot of times they will add extra fat. Uh, the way our cows are raised, the way our pigs are raised, you know, we don't have that open pasture, green fields, you know, farm raised. When we think of a farm where it's, you know, miles and miles of outstretched pasture, that's not happening. A lot of times our animals are not in great um, they're not living in great environments. It's dirty. Um, they don't have access to, you know, to fresh grass. They're eating a lot of processed food, um, corn and soy and, you know, and grains. And our cows are no longer these healthy, thriving animals. They're, they're sick. And when we eat red meat, sometimes that those inflamed Meats get passed on to us when we eat them. And I'm not trying to make meat sound disgusting. I'm just saying that a lot of us aren't eating well-prepared meats. They have a lot of fat to them because the cows aren't treated well. And that gets passed on to us. And so, you know, reducing red meat is a way that you can decrease inflammation in your own body. Now, if you are choosing lean meats like venison and bison and animals that, that do roam open land, they're going to be a lot leaner and they're not going to be quite as inflammatory. But most people are not eating game meats. Um, most people are eating foods from the grocery store. So, you know, you can look for organic meats if that works for you if you can afford that I don't ever like to to say that everybody has to do that because I don't think um, I know it's not something everybody can afford so I don't want to make anybody feel like they are bad or wrong if they can't access those quality meats but if you have access to it yeah you probably definitely want to take advantage uh, if you can Get your meats from a butcher where you know where the animal came from. It's going to be a much better option for you. Same thing like when you get your produce from a farm stand where you can talk to the farmer and you can see how the plants were raised. It's going to be better than getting it from a conventionally grown source or at a grocery store where things are heavily sprayed and um, and you're getting more chemicals. So if you can access it. If you have the ability to, to get that, great. If not, okay, that's fine too. Um, maybe just try to choose lean sources when possible so that way you are getting less um, less fat, less saturated fat, um, higher quality products. Okay, the second inflammatory food are what we call processed meats. So these are going to be things like bologna, bacon, um, sausages, lunch meat, all right? It's just the way they're processed, um, a lot of nitrates, a lot of fillers, not a ton of protein in these foods, uh, at least good quality protein. A lot of it, again, is with some saturated fat. 
and um, these foods can cause inflammation in the body. So we do want to minimize the processed meats as much as possible. I like buying like a fresh turkey breast or even a turkey tenderloin and baking that in the oven, cutting that down and using that as lunch meat instead of actual lunch meat. Uh, So that could be an option for you um, if you still like having a turkey sandwich every day for lunch. All right, commercial baked goods, another inflammatory food. So when you think of commercial baked goods, think of your grocery bakeries, think of your just natural bakeries out in the in the world, not necessarily attached to a grocery store. And these are going to be things like your cookies and your cakes and your pies and your pastries. Uh, also packaged pastries. So things like tasty cakes and little Debbie's and um, I'm trying to think of other Chips Ahoy cookies, right? These are going to be your commercial baked goods. Uh, They have a lot of sugar. They have a lot of fat. They don't have a lot of nutritional value to them. They're calories, but there's there's no nutrient depth to these products. And so these are classified as a pro inflammatory food. White flour can also be inflammatory. White flour, you know, the only problem with white flour is again, it's it doesn't have many nutrients. It's not offering anything. It's not bringing anything to the table. White bread is usually stripped of B vitamins and fiber. And so unless the manufacturer is adding those vitamins back in, it really doesn't offer any nutritional value, like I said. So white flour, because it doesn't have any fiber attached to it, it can spike your blood sugar, um, which you know, especially if you have a predisposition to diabetes or just you love eating high sugar foods, it's going to absolutely compromise your pancreas and there'll be more inflammation in your body. So whenever possible, you do want to be choosing more whole grains because at least there's fiber and B vitamins attached. All right, fried foods, another inflammatory food. I feel like this one can kind of go without an explanation, but anything that you would put in a deep fryer. All right. So we're talking chicken nuggets. We're talking wings. We're talking um, French fries, mozzarella sticks. Like anything that you put in a fryer is considered fried food. All right. Um, Fast food, notoriously, they use fryers right? It's, it's how they cook the food so quickly and get it into your hands by the time you wrap yourself around the building and after you pay. So anything fried would also be pro-inflammatory. High sugar foods. Well, we've already talked about commercially baked goods, but high sugar foods also include things like juices and sodas and sweet teas and lemonades. Um, a lot of your sugar Uh, infused beverages. Uh, And then there's also things like, you know, your donuts and your pies and cookies and cakes. Um, Also some condiments can be high sugar, things like ketchup and barbecue sauce. So just something you want to pay attention to. We already talked about sugar sweetened beverages. Uh, Trans fat. Trans fat is highly inflammatory. So I believe it was 2006, the 
FDA mandated that trans fat be listed on nutrition labels because we realized how terrible it was for our bodies and how much it wreaked havoc in terms of our cardiovascular health. But unfortunately, the way that it was lobbied is on the nutrition label is if it was less than 0.5 grams, the manufacturers could list trans fat as zero. And let's be honest, where do we even find trans fat? We find it in a lot of commercial baked goods, packaged foods, processed foods, fried foods. You know, so these are foods that typically people aren't eating one serving of. I think the upper limit for trans fat in the diet is one gram. That's how terrible it is um, per day. So we don't want more than one gram of trans fat. Potato chips, Doritos, you know, all those foods historically had a lot of trans fat in it. I feel like now more manufacturers are aware because consumers are aware. And so a lot of them have done a great job at eradicating trans fat from their products. But I always teach my clients, make sure you go and look at the ingredient list. And if you see anything that says partially hydrogenated and then a name of an oil following it, that means trans fat. So even if trans fat says zero on the nutrition facts label, still go down to the ingredient list. If you see the words partially hydrogenated, you want to go ahead and skip over that food. Uh, that means it does have trans fat in it, and that is highly inflammatory. And then finally, uh, they list just the word ultra-processed foods. Okay, so what is ultra-processed? Uh, <laughs> Most foods have some level of processing to it. Processing basically means that somebody has manipulated the food in one way or another. Ultra-processed foods, though, have been manipulated so much that you don't even recognize the original form, right? Um, so, you know, if you look at a potato chip, you know, maybe let's look at a barbecue potato chip. I mean, technically, we could argue that potato chips are close to a baked potato, but you and I both know that's not true, right? That's a highly processed food. It looks nothing like the original counterpart. It has been manipulated whether extra ingredients have been added, um, the way it has been prepared, so like throwing it in a deep fryer, and... Usually ultra-processed foods or highly processed foods have a very long ingredient list. Most of the ingredients, you have no clue what they are. A lot of chemicals, a lot of really long multi-syllable words. Um, sugar and fat are usually one of the top three ingredients uh, because we know that those Ingredients can light and ignite and excite all our pleasure centers of our brain. So highly processed foods thrive off of getting your brain excited. And that's how I would define an ultra processed food. There may be a definition online that says it a little bit more eloquently, but that's how I define ultra processed foods. And so the biggest thing when it comes to trying to you know, eat an anti-inflammatory diet is to avoid these, what did I say, eight or nine, 10 foods that I just listed as much as possible, right? Because the more you avoid it, the less inflammation will be in your body. But that's going to require looking at nutrition labels, looking at ingredient lists, and making an informed decision. 
You know, when you're looking at a, a beverage and it says 40 grams of added sugar, yeah, that's a clue that maybe this food isn't the best for me. Especially since that's almost double what a woman should be eating in added sugar for a day. And this is where working with a dietitian can be really helpful because we can look at products. We can actually look at labels together and do education so that you can look at labels and feel really confident that you're making the best decision for you. So if you're not working with a dietitian, what are you waiting for? It can be very, very helpful. Now, for some people, there are additional ingredients that be, that can be inflammatory in their bodies. Um, some examples of this would be things like dairy, gluten, soy, peanuts, nightshade vegetables, which are things like peppers and eggplant and tomatoes. Um, but I would say for somebody who is just starting to dabble with an anti-inflammatory diet, you want to start with focusing on, on, on the big hitters, right? Focusing more on fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, beans, right? Fish, poultry, nuts, seeds, olive oil. Like I would first focus on trying to make the majority of your diet come from those foods before jumping ahead and taking all foods out of your diet. Like no, no gluten, no dairy, no nightshades, no soy, no, um, no nuts. Like that's not necessary for every person. Most people don't need to start there. Most people just need to reduce the amount of inflammatory foods in their diet and right away they feel so much better. So I don't like to jump the gun and start taking all the foods out because in the beginning that sounds really good. Like, oh yeah, let's just take all this out and I'm going to be super healthy until you realize that there's not that many foods left to eat. <laughs> and now you're getting resentful and we know that resentful always leads to rebellion. So I don't like taking foods out unnecessarily unless your body is indicating that it does not like this food. There's no reason why you need to take gluten out of your diet if you don't have a problem with gluten. You have a problem with it? Sure, absolutely, you know, makes sense. But to take it out just to take it out, I don't know if that makes sense. Where my, my client, I can think of her, I see her, I'm obviously not going to say her name, but, you know, she has a lot of, of problems with foods causing inflammation in her body. But the other part is she's a really picky eater. And so when it comes to trying to find foods for her to eat, she's like, oh, I'm just so sick of food. I, I, I just need more variety. And the problem is she doesn't like a lot of foods. The foods that she can eat, she doesn't like. And so, you know, in her case, she has to take some of these extra foods out because they don't make her body feel good. But that on top of already having a limited palate and being very picky, she struggles. And there's only so many foods. So don't be taking foods out unnecessarily and really giving yourself a limited list. It sounds good in the beginning, but give it a couple weeks and, you know, it gets old very quickly. All right. So again, the foods we want to be focusing on are fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, fish, poultry, nuts, seeds, olive oil, 
little bit of dairy can be okay if you don't have a problem with it. Uh, but these are the foods that we want to be the foundation of your diet. All right. More anti-inflammatory foods are things like omega-3s, which are found in fish and ground flaxseed. Uh, one of the things I know we recommend a lot at Body Metrics is two tablespoons of ground flaxseed a day just to increase your omega-3 options. All right. Vitamin C can also be anti-inflammatory. Uh, that's an antioxidant found in citrus fruits. Uh, you can find it in strawberries and bell peppers and leafy greens. So um, increasing your vitamin C intake. Uh, polyphenols, what give plant its color. Uh, also found in whole grains and olive oil. Um, a Mediterranean diet, which is an anti-inflammatory diet, is very high in polyphenols. And then finally, fermented foods, including some of these for gut health. So things like sauerkraut and kimchi and kefir, um, kombucha, right? The list for fermented foods is not terribly long, um, but apple cider vinegar, even including that in your salad dressings when you're eating all those fresh vegetables can be a great idea and a great way to get some, um, some more fermented foods into your body. All right. So a couple tips. If you're at a party and you see this gorgeous charcuterie board out, maybe instead of doing all the processed meats and cheese, you focus on the veggies and hummus. All right. When you're out at a restaurant, instead of the French fries, maybe opt for just the baked potato. All right. And instead of the commercially baked goods and pies and cakes and candies and cookies, maybe try some fruit with dark chocolate instead. These would be healthier swap outs and would be far less inflammatory than the counterparts. So just a couple tips for you if you're looking at ways to increase these anti-inflammatory foods in your diet. All right, so let's get you your recipe of the week. Today we're going to do a lemony whipped ricotta with celery. So for this recipe you're going to need two cups of ricotta cheese, a half of a lemon juiced and zested, one and a half teaspoons of extra virgin olive oil, one tablespoon of fresh dill, and about 12 stalks of celery. All right, step one. In your food processor, you're gonna whip the ricotta, lemon juice, and lemon zest until it's creamy, fluffy, and smooth. So about one to two minutes. Next, you're gonna place the ricotta in a bowl, and then you're gonna drizzle the olive oil on top and add that fresh dill and serve with your celery stalks. And that's it. A really simple, easy, elegant, anti-inflammatory appetizer that you can serve to your family at your next dinner party or just because and you're hungry for a snack. All right. I think that's it, everyone. We did it another week down. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. Um, at Body Metrics, we got a lot of fun things going on. Um, so March is coming up soon, which is National Nutrition Month. So we'll be doing some fun things with that. Uh, we also have our My Nutrition Coach program, which is our group membership program. March, we have our Plan and Plant Challenge coming up. So uh, the first 30 days is free 
for anybody interested in joining, you can check it out, join our plant challenge and, and um, check it out for yourself. See what you think. And I think that's it for today. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.